Um, just talking a little bit about what's happening. Um, so the Booth family, so uh, Daryl and Denise Booth pastor at Apokokoi Church, and many of you who have been in the church for a long, long, long time will remember John and Nairi Booth. And uh, some time ago, John passed away. This is Daryl's father. And just in the last kind of week or so, Nairi's passed away. So some of our congregation who remember John and Nairi were at that funeral yesterday. So wonderful that you could come to that. Um, she was, I think, 81. She 81. So amazing. Um, so difficult time for them as a family, difficult time for them as a church. And John and Nairi were an amazing couple here in the church. They were pastors on the, on the pastoral staff team, and, and they took care of families that were coming into New Zealand, um, you know, to begin a new life here, and uh, they were a really important part of that. So, um, so keep Daryl and Denise in your prayers for that reason. And then last Saturday, week ago, um, there was a tragedy. You would have heard it on the news um, where there was seven people, a uh, massive accident between a, a van and a, and a truck. Um, and so uh, those families are all connected in with Apokokoi campus. And the mum and dad served on the dream team and they've passed away. And the two sons, one passed away. The other one is in critical condition in a coma um, in the hospital. And um, so I just think it would be really lovely if we could just take a few minutes and just pray. So that's why Mike's at Botany this morning preaching. That's why he's not here doing this message. Um, and Steve is out at Pukekohe. Um, possibly the media is out there. They're having, they have counsellors out there this morning. It's, it's just a really massive thing. These, uh, these two beautiful boys, one of who's passed, one who's in a coma, were in their voltage group. So this is kind of a real deal. So would you just stand with me a moment and can we just join and just pray uh, for, for all of that's going on out there. Father, we just, we just pray for this extended family, this Filipino family, Lord God. Father, we just pray, God, that your peace would be with them. We just pray for this young man in a critical condition in the hospital, Lord God. We pray that you would heal his body and, Lord God, that you would be with him in his grief. And Father, for the rest of the extended family, Lord, who is mourning and, and, and still coming to terms with all of this, we pray that they would know your peace and your care. Lord God, that they would know the kindness of the Christian community around them, Lord God. We just pray for our Pukekohe campus and all those that know these people and what they're working through this morning. Would you just be, would your power be great in those services this morning, Lord God, and your presence, Lord God, and your peace. And, Lord, that you would just be with them all. We pray for Daryl and Denise, Lord God, that you would strengthen them in this time too as they mourn their mum. Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, that you would help them to maintain strength, Lord, as they journey with this with their church as well. In Jesus' name, we pray. We also pray, Lord God, for our service this morning. Be with us. Father God, happen to have open hearts and, and, and open ears to what you're saying to us this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. All righty. Wow, this is a very exciting one. This is not one that I saw myself um, <laughs> preaching. <laughs> so Ten Commandments, God's guidelines for our best life. And so we're doing commandment number seven. And we find that in Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. So I, like you, um, I'm sure, have um, seen the disaster in the wake of adultery in, in friends and in, in, in family, the, the pain that it caused, it never ends well. Um, 
it erodes trust, it breaks hearts of spouses, of partners, of children, of friends, of family. Um, never, never ends well for anybody. I remember many years ago when Mike and I were first married and, and we were kind of in the young adults community and there was a bunch of us, some singles, some married. And um, we had a friend and um, they were married. It was, a, it was a couple and they were married and, and um, the wife committed adultery. And, you know, anyone that kind of knew her could see that, that, that the two of them, that there was stuff going on. And um, there was a deep insecurity that she felt. And there was a constant comparing of her husband with everybody else's husbands. Why wouldn't he do what they're doing? Um, there was a wanting or a coveting of things that she didn't have that other people did. And over time, there was a growing um, kind of deceit and a misleading and a, and, and a lying that came into play. And so eventually she did. She had an affair on her husband. And she got pregnant. And so then her marriage ended. And so then when she told the man that she'd had this affair with, that she was pregnant, he too took off. And so then what came for her was many years of doing life on her own, um, raising a child. We bumped into her some years later. In fact, it was just only a very few years ago. And she had remarried and um, had moved on with her life. But the heartbreaking thing was that she was still carrying blame about why it had all happened. And she was carrying bitterness and, I'm sure, shame as well for what had happened. Um, so much destruction... Uh, that could have been avoided. You know, when we go to Scripture in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we have the story of David and Bathsheba. Many of you will know that story well. So we've got David, and he has not gone out to battle with his army. He's stayed in the palace. And he's in the palace, and he's obviously out there looking, and in the distance he can see Bathsheba, and she's bathing. Um, and instead of turning away... Instead of putting it out of his mind, instead of going to his wife, he continues to watch her. And then he decides to find out about her. He finds out that she's the wife of one of his soldiers, Uriah. Uriah, who is currently out doing battle for David's sake in his army. But David continues to lust after Bathsheba. And because he's the king and because he's powerful and because he can, he has Bathsheba brought to him and he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant. And what follows is a mess of deceit and lies as David puts Uriah on the front line of the battle so he gets killed. Not only does he do that, he has, his, he has the lie involves the other leaders that are part and parcel of this, getting him to the front line and, and, and getting him killed. He then brings Bathsheba to his, um, to his place and, and um, takes her as his wife and then the baby dies. And then, his and then the family, David's family, progressively begins to fall apart. It's a mess. And as we read this story in chapter, chapter 12, we learn that God sees all of this. 
And as you read that story, you, you find out that actually God doesn't let David get away with it. Even though he loves David, he doesn't let David get away with it. We read in 2 Samuel 12, 9 and 10. And while, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. So the consequences for David were massive. It impacted his family, it impacted his success, it impacted his future. So here's where this applies to us. The intent of the commandment is to be a line that we will not cross, a boundary that we will not go beyond. And it's important that we understand that the key here is to focus on the intended outcome, not the unintended outcome. Let me explain. There's a small town in the US. Um, it's a town that's known for the amount of vehicles that crash into the tree on the outskirts of town. It's a desert region and hardly anything grows there except this jolly one tree on the outskirts of town. And the number of people who crash into that tree is amazing. And they think it's because people are focused so much on not hitting the tree that they all, end, all that they end up seeing is the tree. It's like, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, and bam, they hit the tree. And likewise, we don't want people to go around saying, don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery, because then adultery becomes the focus, and that's not what we want. So first we need to understand the command, the line, the boundary, and why we must not cross it. And secondly, then we want to talk about, and so then what do we focus on? So why mustn't we commit adultery? And the reasons are many. I'm sure we could all come up with a whole lot of reasons why we shouldn't. But I just want to focus on three. A psychological reason, a social region, reason, and a spiritual reason. So the psychological reason is we are made for monogamy. The myth here that we sometimes hear is humans are not made for monogamy. But it's simply not true. From whatever paradigm you come from, one of the most common human experiences that we all face, can face, is heartbreak. It's psychological, it's emotional, it's physical, when we have the breakdown of a monogamous relationship, it doesn't matter if you're 16 or if you're 60. It breaks something inside you. If we were made for multiple partners, this wouldn't happen. We're made for monogamy. One partner for life. Even from an evolutionary perspective, if you subscribe to that, the human infant is unique. It takes so long to mature, to get to independence. It requires input over years and years and years. If we take an infant antelope, maybe you've watched some of those planet Earth programs, it's born, it hits the ground, 15 minutes later, it's taking its first steps. Within 14 days, it can run over 40 kilometres an hour with the herd. It took me over a year to learn to walk, 
longer to feed myself and I still can't run 40 kilometres an hour. It takes me about five. <laughs> so the human infant needs years and years of protection and input of an adult and the best way for that to happen is when there are two adults sharing that extensive load together to raise this baby infant. Adultery, which just then disrupts this, this pairing, it causes great pain and great distress. It impacts the self-image and the identity of the victims. The result was always pain and stress and dysfunction and ongoing problems from, for, for, resulting from the breakdown of trust. So the second thing is there's a social reason. Human communities throughout history have been built on interconnected family units. And that may look a little bit different depending on the culture that we've grown up on, but it's similar. So when adultery happens, it destroys a family. It then disrupts some of those wider connections. The ripple is felt through family groups and friend groups and cultural groups and in wider social networks. It creates significant social and community destruction. The myth here might be it doesn't really hurt anybody, but that's just simply not true. Adultery wreaks havoc in families and it separates friendships and it impacts communities. You know the story I told you right at the beginning of this friend of ours who committed adultery. One of the saddest things about that was our friend group. Some people sided with her. Some people sided with him. Some people sided with nobody. Others left church because they just couldn't get their head around what had happened. It was a really difficult time, not just for them, but for so many people around them. The third one is, the third, third reason is a spiritual reason. So two human beings who at their core are spiritual beings, and they come together in a marriage relationship. There's a spiritual coming together that Jesus describes as follows. He says this in Matthew 19, 4 to 6. Haven't you read, he replied, at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh and so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no one separate. In some ancient Jewish ceremonies, when they have a marriage ceremony, they'll put a, a wooden yoke across the couple, symbolic of this exclusive commitment that they're making as partners entering into a marriage. Or sometimes they'll place chains over their hands um, to join their hands to signify the same thing. This joining is something that God does. And we notice in that scripture that we read that it says what God has joined together. There's something in the divine that happens when two people come together. The third myth is it's just sex. And it's just never, it's never just sex. To break the spiritual union apart through unfaithfulness is to bring a rupture spiritually and to undo the work of God in two people's lives. 
It's like taking, and some of you would have heard this if you've been in church for a long time, it's like taking two bits of paper and gluing them together and then trying to pull them apart. It will tear and break both bits of paper. It's a serious thing. Ken and J. John says this. He says it destroys families, it defiles or pollutes marriage, and it defies or rejects God. And so when God says, do not commit adultery, it's because the one who created us knows how destructive it is. We are just not made for it. It's like the instruction manual for a hairdryer. It says, keep away from water, right? Why? Well, because a hairdryer and water that you are also in will cause pain and destruction. That's why you never use a hairdryer when you're in the shower, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter how rushed you are. <laughs> Likewise, the instruction manual, the Bible, it says keep away from adultery. And because it's when we engage in adultery, it causes pain and it causes destruction to the other parties involved as well as to us. And we have to take note of what else the Word of God says about adultery. It says, Jesus said, have you heard it said that you should not commit adultery? But I say to you, if you even look at a woman or man lustfully, you've committed adultery with them in your heart. This bit is important because it alerts us to the process. It starts with a look and then a thought and then an action. A look, a thought, and then an action. And so we've got to kill it at the look. Ken and John Jay tells the story of a couple in a cafe. In walks a very attractive woman. And as she walks past the couple's table, the man's eyes follow her without even looking up. The wife states, I hope that was worth the trouble that you are now going to face. <laughs> I want to explain this process that I'm talking about a little bit further. In James chapter 1, it tells us that temptation isn't sin, but it's what we do with that thought. That's where the sin gets in. It's not a sin to notice somebody that is attractive for whatever reason, but to indulge in that thought that's a sin. And if you haven't dealt with it in that first second, then that's, then that's when you've got to really do some work. And that's why pornography is so dangerous because it builds a habit of taking a look straight into sinful thoughts. It's training a person's mind to go straight to adultery. And you have to, so you have to eradicate Porn, it's unbelievably destructive and addictive and it causes a loss of trust and it causes harm to marriages, to families, to committed relationships. And so, what must we focus on? We focus on faithfulness. The prophet Malachi warns people in Israel against being faithless in their marriages not loving their spouse but hating them, not protecting them. The implication here is clear and it's be faithful. There's nothing more impressive than faithfulness. I don't know who's seen the movie The Notebook. It's a little bit of an oldie now. It's a classic. It's this beautiful story. And when we watch that movie, it's easy to get caught up in the love and the passion of this 
couple that have done many years together. But if we really look more closely, uh, what actually moves us the most is it's the faithfulness of the husband. His wife has developed dementia, and he turns up every day to woo his wife back to him by reading the notebook that she wrote of their story together so that when she progressed, this disease of dementia progressed, um, she wouldn't forget him. That commitment, that's what moves us. Don't commit community, sorry, don't commit adultery. Commit to faithfulness. Faithfulness is one of the most powerful aspects of who God is. And Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So faithfulness is a mark of the character of God. And we find it talked about 110 times in Scripture. It's prophesied that Jesus would be the faithful servant. Moses was known for it. The apostles were commended for it. The church elders had to demonstrate it. And churches were instructed to have it. So God is looking for people that value faithfulness. In Psalm 4.3, it says, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So be faithful. Be that man. Be that woman. You know, many years ago, Mike and I were first married, and I um, was a travel agent at the time, and I went to California. And I think we were like, we were like four weeks married. We were like so new. And I went on this trip and... Um, you know, on the plane and, uh, you know, bit of an extrovert, so just love to talk to people about anything and everything and think they all want to talk to me. And so got chatting to this ear ear hostess, ear host, ear steward, got to get that right, it was a boy, (laughs) got talking to this ear steward. And then before I know it, the plane's landing and he's asking me out for a drink and wants to meet up later. I was so surprised and really embarrassed and definitely did not agree to meet up with him later. As soon as I got to my hotel room, I quickly rang Mike and told him everything that had happened. And the thing was this, that because Mike and I have agreed that we would always tell each other when any of these sorts of funny, odd things happened with total transparency, you know, we, had a, we were able to have a good laugh about it. We were able to because we knew that we were faithful to one another. So how do I be faithful? Faithful, the word at its simplest form is to be faithful, full of faith. To be a faithful man or woman is about faith. We've got to have faith. Faith that your spouse is the right one for you. You don't have to look anywhere else. Faith that you're the right one for your spouse and so bring your best self. Faith that there is a way through every issue that you might face because you have faith. God will work with you and will work in you. 
faith that your relationship can be great, that you can have great love and great intimacy and great companionship and a great faith-filled future together and faith that God is intent that your marriage is to be blessed in every way. And the team come. So to commit adultery is to be faithless and to have no faith in these things. But God has called us to walk by faith, to live by faith, to love by faith. So there's a line that we must not cross. There's a place that we must not go. There's a boundary that we must not break. So don't commit adultery, but focus on being faithful. Faithfulness is powerful and it's admirable. Faithfulness takes courage and discipline. Faithfulness brings freedom and joy and satisfaction. Faithfulness builds lasting, deep marriages and families that God is going to bless. So if you are committing adultery, you need to stop. You need to end it and return to faithfulness. Have faith. Trust God with your future. And yes, I'm going to say it. If you are in a sexual relationship and you're not married, you're not in faith, you've got to turn that around. If you're caught up in porn, you need to get help. You need to break the habit and you need to find a way out of that addiction. Have faith. There is a way out. And to those that have beaten it or those who are battling it, we honour you. Stay the course. If you have committed adultery in the past and the guilt and the shame is still following you, hear the words of Jesus to somebody caught in adultery in John 8, 11. I do not condemn you. Go, leave your life of sin. No condemnation. Just turn it around. Receive your forgiveness Get some help if you need to, to leave the guilt and the shame behind you. And that goes for spouses and those impacted as well. Get help. Let's just pray. Father God, as we've talked about this this morning, Father, we thank you that you've called us to a life of faithfulness. And Father God, I just pray for those that are battling, for those that need to turn it around. Lord God, that you would strengthen them, that you would empower them, that you would help them, God. Father, as we pursue a life of faithfulness, Father God, we thank you that you see us and are with us and are making us stronger and are helping us, Lord God. Lord, would you bless every single individual here this morning, whether married or single, whether struggling or on the other side of a struggle. Father God, you see us, you know us, you love us. And we are so grateful. We are so grateful, Lord God. Thank you that there is no condemnation, Lord God. Father, we live for you, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. I just want to just take a minute and just say, maybe for you this morning, you've never actually embarked on a relationship with God, this life of faith, this life of faithfulness, and you've been maybe coming for a little while, or maybe you, you haven't. And I just want to offer, we, we, in our services, we always want to provide the opportunity for people to make a commitment to God, to live their life for Him, this life of faithfulness that we're talking about this morning. And so I just want to pray a prayer. And if you want to join with me, you can just pray this prayer after me to give your life to God, to begin this journey of faith, to begin this journey of faithfulness and have God on the journey with you. So let's just pray. If everyone can bow their heads. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. You paid the price for my sin, my guilt, my shame. And today, Lord God, I offer you my life. I turn it around and I ask you on the journey with me. Thank you, Lord God, for the freedom that I find in you. And today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, even just in the quietness of your own thoughts. Can I encourage you to take a connect card that's in the chair in the seat in front of you and fill it out and say, I committed my life. We want to get a Bible in your hands. We want to connect with you. We want to help you in the next part of your journey. The very best decision that you can ever make is to follow Jesus. Awesome. That's it, team. We got through that topic. <laughs> Why don't we just stand and let's just worship God.